Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. My twin brother and I are huge advocates for those who support their communities. How often does this come up with the athletes you support? How often do you think about the people who make an impact in your community? Do you realize that there are more than 480,000 students that compete in NCAA athletics, and yet less than 2% of them ever compete at an Olympic level or go professional? What about those who play professionally? What happens to the athletes after they're done with their career in sports? Father time has never lost, and even the great Tom Brady will have to retire one day. Well, my brother and I are pleased to welcome our next guest. Her mission is to help professionals and college student athletes to figure out what they are going to do in the next transition of their life. Danielle Berman is the CEO of Tackle What's Next, and she's the host of the Big League Philanthropist podcast. I might also share that she provides great insight, not only into the journey an athlete will make after sports, but she considers herself to be an athlete career development consultant. What does she do? She helps athletes transition, understand how to apply their skill sets, to look at what they could do to make the best impact, and dare I say, still be professional outside of the professional career. Danielle, welcome to the Twins Talk It Up program. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me for that kind introduction. Thrilled to be here. Now, from time to time, you're here, David and I speak, and we'll try our best to remember to state that this is David or this is Danny. Uh, we do sound alike and we do look alike. And for those that are watching the YouTube over the listen to the podcast, David's wearing glasses today and I am wearing contacts. So we try to do the best we can to not be 100% alike, but sometimes we can't help it. Uh, so Danielle, tell us a little bit about your background and why, why you started your company, because the name of your company is really cool. Tackle what's next. That is such an awesome, I mean, just if I would have been like, hey, look, Daniel, you're going to start a company. Let's put together what you think about, what you want about. And then I'll be saying all oh, these great names, throwing out these slogans. But man, this was perfect. Tackle what's next. What can you share about your Tackle What's Next platform? And tell the audience a little bit about how you came up with that name, because that is such an amazing name. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know, it's really funny. I just had it in the back of my mind. I just kind of said it a lot, really. I think that's how I kind of came up with it is I used it a lot in my terminology when I was speaking about the athlete transition. It was kind of like, well, you just kind of figure out what you're going to tackle next or, you know, always kind of came up in that in that word. So it stuck with me. And then I kind of was looking into names and thought, why not just use tackle what's next? It's simple to the point, gets the point across here. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think really how it came to be was I worked for a long time in sports and outside of sports, but doing events and marketing. Um, and we put together an event uh, with a few partners um, and former athletes themselves that, you know, focused on this career transition challenge that a lot of athletes face, um, which is really just because they're facing 
a retirement challenge in their 20s and 30s versus in their 50s and 60s, right? Um, like you said, David, like father time is, is, you know, unfortunately, one of the biggest reasons athletes have to retire is just they can't do it anymore physically. Um, or unfortunately, they suffer an injury or, you know, just they can't compete with all the younger kids coming out. So it's a unique situation only in the fact that it happens so young. I wouldn't say that it's a unique to athlete situation, that it's hard to figure out what to do when you transition. I think everybody struggles with that. But the unique part is a lot of it's happening at like 22 or 25 um, when everyone else is kind of like just starting their career. So, you know, I guess for me that the idea just came to let's bring people together to talk about this, because I think one of the big things folks don't understand about athletes is that there is this challenge. They think, oh, you're an athlete, you're good. Like you have the success, you've done great. Like your life is amazing. And they're humans too, right? They have their, their challenges, their own situations. And so, um, you know, it's, it's unique for each person, but every athlete shares this challenge of like, what do I do now, now that I've spent all my time in sports? So I just wanted to contribute using my strengths, which is community, events, all of that, bring that together and really create some, some kind of content community connection around this, this problem and hopefully help bring people together to solve it. Danielle, this is David. I do appreciate you sharing that. And I will tell you that the title or the name that you came up with is not just so appropriate to what you do, but it's really about who you are. You're tackling a need and you're really addressing a need that's out there because so many are challenged be with this sense of identity. Who am I? What am I doing? Or who am I outside of the, the sports arena? And so what are the most common perceptions or misconceptions rather that the general public might have about athletes and their lives after sports? Because I can only imagine that as you kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of people in the general public just assume athletes are gonna always be taken care of or they're always gonna be fine. They're always gonna be in an influential position, but that's not the case, right? So what are some of the common misconceptions uh, you've had to work through with the athletes that you support? Yeah, I think from the general public standpoint, you pointed it out right at the beginning of the show is that the majority of folks that play in high school and college are not going to the pros. So they, they might've put all of their 20 years into their sport and they're done at 21, 22. They're not going to play at a high level ever again. And like you said, 98%, right? That's pretty much it. That, that aren't going to go to Olympics, aren't going to go pro, maybe don't have a league to go pro. If we're talking about smaller kind of niche sports or women's sports, there may not be as many opportunities. Um, so if you think about that, that's a huge misconception. People say, oh, you're an athlete, like you're, you're all good. And I think the other thing that we don't think about is the short lifespan. If you do make it to a professional career, the average NFL career is three years. Um, the average NBA is four. Average hockey is five. Baseball, you could probably get seven, but a lot of that's in the minors where you don't make any money and you're kind of playing for $12,000 a year and you have another job on the side. Um, so even if you make it to the big leagues, right, your career is usually, if you're lucky, a few years and then you're done. And, you know, I think the other thing is people say, oh, they're making so much money. Like they don't need to worry about anything. Um, but I just kind of ask people to kind of step back to when they're 23, 24, 25, you know, regardless of your situation, you've probably never had that much money before in your life. Mm -mm. 
And especially for a lot of athletes, unfortunately, we see a lot of different socioeconomic backgrounds, folks pulling their families up with athletics, right? They're saying, I got to make it because I got to go home and take care of my family. Well, that's a big strain on a lot of, you know, a lot of things, right? There's a lot of stuff that plays into that. And especially if you're only in for three years, that $3 million has to last you then the rest of your life. And if you don't know how to plan for that financially, it's just not going to do it. If you're spending money on cars and shoes and clothes and going out and having fun, which is all fine, you just need to know how to budget. So those are some big things. Um, a lot of people don't know that if, you know, especially in a league like the NFL, you only get paid when you play a game. Mm. So that money doesn't come every two weeks like it does for the general public. They have to conserve the money that they make in the fall throughout the rest of the year. So they need to have either a support system that can budget for them, or they need to have that basic understanding. Um, other sports have different pay structures too. So there's a lot of misconceptions the public has um, about being an athlete, that it's, you know, all set to go. But there's a lot of, you know, struggle and hard work that athletes put into getting to this place in their lives. And, you know, depending on your situation, you might play professionally for five years and never get a million dollars to show for it, right? Mm. Depending on what sport you play. So not, every, you know, the majority of athletes are not making six figures you know, they're barely getting by many professionals. And if we look at our Olympians, many of them make zero dollars and zero cents unless they have endorsements and they all have full-time jobs outside of competing. Um, most of them are trying to get money to train and to get expenses to fly to competitions and things. So it's not the glamorous lifestyle you see with the, the big pro guys that make it, you know, play 20 years, you know, that's kind of the, the like minority of the athletes that you see. So those are the big misconceptions for sure. Well, this, this is Danny and what you're saying is so true. There was a special that came out about minor league baseball players and um, the amount of money they make, where they're at. Um, it was just so it was so sad because a lot of them are, are, you know, playing in rural cities, living in, living in, in um, small places with other people. I, I was, I mean, I had this perception that they're all making good money, right? They're playing underneath the farm, farm club and all that. And these guys are struggling. They're living on cots, um, sometimes two or three people in, in, in one apartment in a rural area, uh, just to try to make it, to try to make it. And one of the things that, uh, Dave and I deal with all the time when we deal with a lot of the professionals that we work with, a lot of the C-level executives and VPs and companies is this thing called imposter syndrome. And when we think about the athletes who have fame or who grew up in high school as the number one, number two athlete in the state or in the city, and they're going up and their only goal is to become a professional athlete to make millions of dollars, as you said, to lift up their family. Some come from uh, generational wealth, others do not have it. So how do you help athletes who feel like without sports, they don't have an identity anymore? Without sports, their self-worth is gone, that people won't respect them anymore. They're, they're, this has caused a lot of athletes, and we've seen this, a lot of athletes who were stars at their respective universities. And there's a couple I can think of right now that played at Alabama and Georgia, and, and those individuals, you know, oh my gosh, they're dead at 26, 27 years old. And a lot of these people go stress, anxiety, depression, uh, they, they battle, they battle the imposter syndrome all the time and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. They don't have anywhere to go to help them to say, Hey, you have to do something in life besides sports because you didn't make it. Mm 
How do you help athletes that struggle with mental health and imposter syndrome? Yeah, it's a it's a huge issue. Um, you know, you bet you mentioned too, uh, David, the identity kind of crisis, and I think that ties into the mental health and kind of imposter syndrome, Danny. You're talking about it's it's I don't think it's a unique to athlete problem that we really identify as a society based on our work. Um, I would say the three of us probably the first thing we would say if we were just meeting each other is it's nice to meet you. Like, what do you do? And that's just the way we live is we kind of classify people by their jobs. Like that's how we remember what they do and kind of who they are. And so it is a part of who we are and, and we're a work pro work society. And we want to know what people do for work and how they get a living. And if they don't work, you know, there's a stereotype that, Oh, you're lazy or whatever. Right. Whether that's right or wrong. So it's not a unique act to athletes problem that we over identify with our work. I would say for athletes, it bites them much sooner than it bites many of us. Um, and they don't have this time to kind of get acclimated to it. They have to, have to, have to dedicate 99 to 100% of their time to make it big. You don't make it to big leagues or playing internationally, wherever it is, if you're not giving you know 40 hours a week at the minimum to your sport. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, that's the system that exists today. Um, in fact, it's slowly changing, but most, co most coaches and programs would consider it a distraction. If a player is building a business or, you know, doing something else, they're saying, well, do you really want this? Are you focused on this? Cause we could find somebody else that wants it more than you do. I think that's slowly changing, which is great. I think we've seen that we actually need that diversification of interest to not get burnt out. Yeah. But it's a hard thing to kind of reteach someone after they've been doing it for so long. So, you know, in terms of what we do, it's really exploring that. I think the big thing we don't give people enough time to do today is like to sit with themselves and explore like, okay, if sports didn't exist, like what would I be doing? Right. You know, <laughs> is there passion. a way for me to explore some passions? And I will say like, as tragic as this last year and a half, two years has been, it was a big eye opener for a lot of athletes because sports did stop last spring and summer. There was basically no sports. Um, and so a lot of athletes kind of took this in our, in what we saw, I guess I should say, a lot of athletes saw this as kind of like a, uh Oh, if this happens like in two years, what am I going to do? I need to get myself kind of moving. So we've seen even just in the last two years, this shift of people, instead of us convincing them they need to think about life after sports, they're starting to kind of, okay, I need to start to network and start to make some inroads into things. Um, and I think a lot of it is seeing athletes at a high level do this successfully. You have the icons like the LeBrons and, you know, J.R. Smith going back to school now and playing oh, golf, right? Oh. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> these are great examples. And you know, there's the Lamars who's negotiating his own contract. Like the athletes have the power now in sports. And I think that's translated down. Um, but it's, it's not easy. Like by no means is this easy. Even if you do have interests outside of sports, it's a grieving process. You've spent Ooh. 20 plus years of your life doing this and you're never going to get back to that. And that's a hard thing to realize, right? It's like retiring from your big corporate job at 60. It's that same experience. Like you're not going to be able to go back to, you know, that level of professionalism and excitement and teamwork and doing the big cases, right? Just using that kind of lawyer example. 
but like it's 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 that giving yourself time to say look this is gonna be hard it's gonna suck I'm gonna be sad but the idea is that it's not forever like there's more exciting and better things on the horizon and it's just having that conversation with yourself and with people that understand. I think a lot of times you don't get that support where people are like, whatever, you're fine. Like you played sports, big whoop, like go do something, you know, like people are like, what's the issue? But it is that like identity crisis where they've never associated themselves as valuable to society without their athletic ability. And so it's just giving them that chance to dig into themselves And one of the things that we always do is like, talk to your friends and family. Like, what do they say is their favorite thing about you? I guarantee it's not the fact that you can throw a ball or catch a pass, right? Like sometimes it's that basic. Like, what do you like? What do people associate you with? What joy do you bring to other people? And it's thinking about things outside of yourself because it's gonna take time to build yourself up to the fact where you're like, okay, I feel confident enough with this. I think a lot of people think they should just be like retired and into a new job or graduated or into a new job, no problem. And it's not realistic. It might take 10 years for you to really realize that, you know, you can disassociate with that athlete identity and that's okay. It's everybody's on their own timeline. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, Finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Danielle, this is David. And if you don't mind, I want to continue that thought here by asking this question. You have provided a platform for these athletes to be able to come and just be open and to share what they're feeling, to share what they're thinking, to share their concerns. And I love how you said, we encourage them to 
ask the people that are closest to them. What are your skill sets? What do you know for? What are you good at? Here's an idea of what you could be looking at because not everybody's meant to open up restaurants or a cannabis business, right? But let me ask this question though, Danielle, in, in continuing this thought, what are the things that you look at for considering the type of speakers you bring in when you think about the type of programs you put together? Because anyone could go to your site and see that you're putting a lot of forms together. You do so much for these athletes and the different workshops you have going on. By the way, I've yet to be invited to come and speak, but that's, that's beyond the question. We're here. working but, on but, it. <laughs> but, but, but how do you determine uh, which athletes, which speakers, which trainers, and then how do you continue to put together the right platform to ensure that it's going beyond a conversation of what do you good at? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a great question. And we're very strategic with what we do. I think the, the idea of kind of putting out content just to put out content is not something we want to be in the habit of. Um, so I think 2020, we were putting out content because people were consuming content. And this year, we really decided to sit back and focus on, you know, again, nothing against the folks we brought on last year. They were fabulous and they all had amazing stories to share. We just did so many different topics that it diluted the message a bit. And people were like, okay, I'm overwhelmed. There's too much. So we're really kind of started to listen to like, what are people interested in? What are the topics that are coming up in some of these conversations? Um, what are people registering for? Is it more financial? Is it more identity? Is it more, you know, philanthropy? That's a big focus that our network really loves. Um, and so we decided this year to really hone in on those topics and, you know, not necessarily just like do an event every month to do an event every month, but really to say, okay, we have some speakers that can speak about this topic. Um, but in terms of like the skills, really our, our platform is storytelling. So we want to empower athletes to come back to a community of fellow athletes and sports folks and talk about the challenges, but also what went right, right? Let's mm -hmm. talk about the successes. I think we hear a lot about the negatives and we hear like, oh, this person lost all their money. Or like you said, Danny, like they unfortunately, you know, had mental health issues and then, you know, went to the hospital or had a breakdown or unfortunately, like even at the worst case scenarios, like maybe they've lost their lives. Um, and I think for us, there's so many more success stories. Again, they're not sexy or cool, like necessarily all the time, but it might just be like, hey, you know, David, I'm a former college tennis player and I transitioned into my own coaching business and I'm a speaker and I have a podcast, right? Like there's so many little success stories of athletes, like you said, 480,000 student athletes playing right now. If we go back in time, right, oh. there's like millions and millions of us have played sports at a high level. And the bad stories, sure, they're there, but everyone else has managed your things out and not to say it was easy or that we shouldn't address the challenges they had, but let's also share best practices. Like what did you do in college that was really helpful? Did you network with those boosters? Did you talk to sponsors of your team? Did you go to the front office if you played in the pros and like make connections there? Like talk about what you did and like, did you actually, you know, have advice for the younger generations coming up so that they can avoid some pitfalls. So that's really what our events are about. We, we want to focus on actionable takeaways. We want people to come and feel empowered that they can do something themselves. This isn't like a, oh, sign up and we'll tell you how we can help you. It's like, no, come. We want you to just feel like you can go and take control of the next step. And if you want more support, sure, we're here. 
But this is for folks that want to come in, learn from their peers and really say, wow, look at all these different opportunities. Like the options are endless. And I think the end of the day, like our platform aims to really change that narrative of this being like the worst and scary and my life is over into like, it's still scary, but it's good scary because there's a lot of options and I just need to figure out what I want to do and, and where I'm going to put all my amazing energy and skill sets. Yep, that's fantastic. And this is Danny. I, I, I will have to tell you that I think it's amazing to be able to have a, a forum where you can be around your peers and people can share best practice. In our industry, um, we're in the IT services industry, and we always encourage our partners to be part of peer groups. And we encourage them to be part of these peer groups so that they can talk to other business owners who go through the same issues that they have, the same challenges, um, but they're all within the same uh, revenue realm, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So what a partner goes through that's making 50 million a year compared to a partner who's making a million, million a year, there's two different feelings that they go through. But one thing I will say, it, it wasn't a presence when my father retired from the military, he couldn't get a job, right? His skills didn't translate to the real world. And today, there's so many organizations that are putting together training programs to help uh, military veterans transition to the workforce. And I would tell you, from most of the people that I've spoken with in the industry, most CEOs, most executives at corporations, they love hiring veterans, and they also love hiring athletes, which is amazing to me. And I asked, I asked the same question to each of them. Why do you love hiring veterans and athletes and the, the response has always been the same both sets of individuals have passion when they set their mind to do something they have mental toughness they get it done the athlete does not have to be told you need to go work out they are perfecting their craft hoping to make it to the majors hoping to make it to the olympics hoping to make endorsements money happen which thank goodness today Athletes can make money today in college. They couldn't in the past, but thank goodness they can do that today. And the same thing with military veterans. They have a job to do. They got to serve and protect their country. And when they get out, they understand the follow. They know, understand that there's a process to follow and they follow that process to the team. So a lot of organizations love hiring athletes because they don't have to motivate them. Athletes are self-motivated. They want to prove to the world they still got the it factor. Mm -hmm. They still got that, that mentality to go make it happen. So I love that the athletes are getting together. They have these peer groups. They're talking. But I would tell each and every one of them, look, organizations have a choice. They can hire you based upon your experience or they can hire you based upon your, char your character. And I love to hire people based upon the character. I can teach you skill. But I can't teach a person who has skill to have passion who have the skill to go and put the customer first. And I tell you, I've hired people in the past who have all the experience in the world who demand a high salary, but they're lazy or they think they deserve it because they've been doing this for so long. I don't care if you're 80 years old. I don't care if you're 22 years old. I want hungry people. I can teach you the skill. I can teach you technology, but I can't teach you that when I'm not watching you, that you have the honor and integrity to go and make it happen, to go yeah. work out, to go make, to go do, go get yours is what I like to call it. Go get yours. So I would tell you, all your athletes out there, look, you are marketable. Yes. People want you. They want you bad because you have proven throughout your high school career, throughout your collegiate career, even through your professional career, that you have the it factor that other people are sleeping. Other people are watching TV, but you're out working out. Yep. You're out practicing the playbook. You're doing things other people have said, you know what, I'm done. So I yep. love to hire people like this. And I know that our audience and our people who listen to us who are executives of their companies, they're, they're interested. They want to know, hey, Danielle, how do, we, how do we get a hold of your athletes as well? 
<laughs> well, it's a great point you brought up and it's, there's a lot of shared um, commonalities between the veteran transition kind of back to civilian life and then athletes transitioning out of sports. If you think about it, there's such highly structured environments, both playing sports and being in the military. There's a rank and file, right? In both, you know, the support systems you have, all of that kind of stuff. And like you said, uh, when you get out, it could be really challenging because the real world has no rank and file. You don't know who's who. There's no like blueprint of like, here's the mission. Here's what we're doing. Um, but like you said, I think a lot of athletes do succeed and veterans, I'm sure as well in these corporate environments, because if there are goals that need to be accomplished, athletes can visualize the end goal and say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. And really the big piece of it is just convincing those individuals that they have that. I think you don't, you think about sports. If you played sports, you don't think about the skills off the field or off the court or off the ice that you have. You think about like, oh, I'm really good at running or doing pushups or this, this, and this, but think about the leadership skills, the communication skills you have to have. My biggest takeaway is like the failure, just experiencing failure on a regular basis and having to continue. Think about those losing seasons. You see people play and you're like, oh, they're terrible. Well, guess what? Those folks are still getting up at 5 a.m. every day to work out and do their routine, even though they've won one game, you know, whatever it is. Like that is exactly what employers are looking for is no matter how bad it is, you are going to be able to motivate yourself to get it done. And I think that's something athletes just need to put through their own heads is really translating those skills from the sports aspect into business. And it, it translates so seamlessly, you know, whatever field you want to go into, like you said, whether you know how to use Microsoft Excel is not the problem. It's really about, can you follow what I'm saying? Can you listen? Can you receive feedback? Like that's a huge thing that people can't take feedback or criticism. They take it personally, or it's hard to work with them because they don't like to be told no, or I can, or, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, athletes have this unique ability to be coached and be, and have all these things. So there's a lot of skills that translate seamlessly. And, you know, if you think about it, looking at, especially for women, the majority of female CEOs were all former athletes at some stage. Um, it's, it's a huge percentage because guess what? That's where they learned all these skills and yes. they're highly marketable skills and they've learned how to translate. You know, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? There's not a lot of pro women sports opportunities that's mm -hmm. slowly changing, but women know that sports is a vehicle for them. Many yep. of them know. And, you know, a lot of fortune 500 CEOs that are women are people in board in the front office, right? If you're thinking about kind of C-suite executive levels, the majority of women there, you know, they, they've played sports. They've learned a lot of those life lessons, confidence, all those kinds of things. So sport is not just, you know, something you want to, you know, make a lot of money in. It's, it's a life skills teacher. So we even talked to you know, youth, uh, you know, organizations about like, make sure kids are playing sports. Like they can learn really important lessons through, through this game, because it does teach you a lot of, you know, what living is like ups and downs, losing self-motivation, all that kind of stuff. I will say that when my brother was playing collegiate tennis, cause we went, we did undergraduate together, not graduate school, um, that I saw Dave get up and practice. I saw him after, after, uh, tennis practice was done, go back and practice even more. Um, we were even fasting at one time together for a couple of weeks and athletes, they put out a lot of energy. I mean, can you imagine playing tennis, collegiate tennis, and all you're doing is running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Imagine going two weeks with no food. Mm -hmm. 
right? And still being dedicated to do that. And I remember, I, I think I think we did a three week fast, or, and my brother just went with no food, just water, and and, and he was still playing uh, tennis at the top level. So when I think when I when you say athletes get up at five in the morning, and they're still working out, they're still dedicated to the craft, even if they're playing for. Uh, you know, when we think about uh, football, right? <laughs> and we think about collegiate football and, you, and you're like, what is Vanderbilt doing in the SEC? And you're like, my gosh, these guys can't even win one game in the SEC. They're, because they're, they're a very uh, uh, scholastic school. But the same, every single one of those athletes, they don't go to each game thinking I'm going to lose. They go and they still practice. They still work out. They still give 100% of their, of their effort. And, and they know, yes, I'm going to go give my best. So I just want to let you know from a personal experience, I can definitely say and vouch that this, I think, helped Dave to become the leader he is today because of collegiate uh, sports. So, yes, I definitely agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, I love well, it. Yeah, Danielle, this is David, and I, I'm really humbled by the way my brother tries to talk about me in that way or speaks about me. But I'll tell you, he's coached athletes in the high school and collegiate level, so he understands what they put their bodies through, the determination that they have to be the best at their craft, and I love the fact that there are companies out there looking to hire athletes because they understand, as you mentioned, Danielle, they've been through ups, they've been through downs, and they still have the same focus to make sure that the objective is met. And so that's really, really humbling to be able to see that there are people out here who can make an incredible impact in the companies or into their communities if they are only given a chance. So mm -hmm. I, want, I want to ask this question, Danielle, because you mentioned earlier that part of what you're doing at Tackle What's Next is helping these athletes develop their story. And we know that there's incredible power in storytelling. Why that person's who they are, what they came through, what makes it such a, an incredible story that connects us together and how that story makes that objective or that value system that those companies have feel like this is a perfect match. What are the things you're doing to help these athletes craft their story? Yeah, I mean, I think really the biggest thing we're doing is giving them the platform to share their story. Um, we don't necessarily advocate for kind of specific paths for specific people. Um, I think that's where we see a lot of encouragement is like, oh, go do this or go do that. Like you should do this, um, you know, kind of pigeonholing folks into specific careers because they played sports. Um, and we really want the individuals to come to us and say, I don't know what I want to do, but here's some things I'm interested in, or here's some passions I have. And we can kind of say, let's explore that. Or mm -hmm. they already have something in mind and they're like, I want to go do this. Great. Let's, let's find some people that can help you get there. Um, you know, I think your story is so important and we work with a fantastic, um, former college athlete himself that's now working um, with a few different organizations and also doing some transition coaching. And he has this whole, it's called shift. And he just wrote a book about it, but he has this whole thing about how your story can define, you know, what you do and what you're able to accomplish because your story really defines how you operate in the world. And, you know, your story is so important understanding the story that you tell other people, but also the story you tell yourself. Right. Yeah. And so for us, we just want folks to feel comfortable sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. um, every single person has their own unique story, how they got where they are, what they've learned, what they want to do, what they are doing, what went wrong, what went right. And for us, that is the biggest way to make change in this space. No one's going to come listen to me talk about why you should do this or why you should do that. We know, you know, just the industry in general, 
athletes want to hear from other athletes. They want to hear from people that have been through what they've been through. You know, it's kind of like that your parents telling you to do something or not to do something. You're like, come on, like, you don't know what it's like to be me. But when your cool sibling or cousin or whatever says it, right, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should do this. And not to say that it's, you know, that simple. But like you mentioned earlier, Danny, it's that like pure group of like, oh, well, if he could do it or she could do it, I can do it too. But also like, let me learn from her. Let me learn from him um, because they're doing it now and they've been in my shoes. So we really use that power of storytelling to get the message across. I think the, the biggest change, like I said, we've seen is people are no longer questioning why they need to worry about what's next they're now like how do i figure out what i do and how do i get started and so storytelling is going to continue to evolve based on you know the need of this problem that we're solving Mm. and i think it's just one of the best ways to build community and to build resources and and just to find out like where people are at you know it's it's more interesting to me personally to hear someone's story than to necessarily work off a checklist, if that makes sense, kind of to say, okay, do this and then do this and then do this. I want to know about you. I want to know what's happened to you and and what your hopes and dreams are and what you're trying to accomplish. And also like what you're worried about, because guess what? We could probably work on that and fix some of that stuff. But if I don't know your story and if you don't know your story, your own story, um, it it can be harmful to you. If you, if you're telling yourself the story that you're only ever going to be successful as an athlete. Well, that's it. You're only going to be successful as an athlete. That's the story you're telling yourself. But if you can change that story, you can really change everything about what's next. Danielle, this is David. I appreciate you sharing that because I'm a huge, huge advocate for professionals understanding their story. And I love how even in an earlier conversation you have had, you and I have had offline here, about the importance of understanding their brand, understanding who they are and name dropping themselves versus just, hey, I'm a pro and you can use that. I don't care if you're a pro for a year, two years, you can still say I'm a pro as a way to kind of get through that door. And that's a part of their story, whether they look at it as I won championships or guess what? You've done something that 98% of those collegiate athletes could never do. You at least played. So why not use that to your advantage? Uh, yeah. But I, I want to ask you a little bit about how athletes can really make the impact in their community. I know that's one thing that you and I have talked about before, and you really want to champion their ability to impact their communities. And so even though Dan and I are advocates for it, even yesterday, we were doing a fundraiser for scholarships. and I had to, I was showing up and playing a little miniature golf and, you know, giving out money. And I'm thinking to myself, miniature golf, I could be doing something else. But no, it's for an important cause. So how do you work with athletes that have these ambitions to want to start foundations or they want to start non-for-profits or they want to figure out how do I be be able to use my brand to make an impact in my community? Are these things that you help them transition? Do you help them find projects to align with? Or what do you do when it comes to athletes that are interested in using their brand to start foundations and non-for-profits? Yeah, it's a great point. And as we've probably seen over the past two years, but also just in the decades before, Athletes are a huge influence on society and sports is a huge influence on society in terms of social good. Um, And we've really seen, I think a lot more athletes en masse kind of really use that power to advocate for social change. 
Um, I think the biggest one has been, you know, I would say the WNBA leads every league team individual by far. They've been setting the standard for decades now. Um, but, you know, I think the, the idea is that you should use your platform for something bigger than yourself. And I don't think any athlete in the past has kind of shied away from that, maybe publicly, mm. yes, but privately, no. Um, the most famous example people say is, you know, Michael Jordan saying Republicans buy shoes too, so he didn't want to advocate for things. But, you know, like he's come out and said that wasn't his words, you know, so it's, it's up for debate. But even he behind the scenes, kind of out of the spotlight, has mm. done so much for the Charlotte community. He's opened medical clinics and different areas. So, you know, there's, there's so much he's doing that we just aren't hearing about. And I think that applies to all athletes, right? They're, they're human. So to, right. to not use that experience they have, a lot of them do feel like they need to do something. You know, if they're coming from a community where they know there's a lot of problems, they want to give back. And so it's really about channeling that. And, and really our focus in all of these areas is education community and support. So we aren't advising them on, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's your game plan. Here's how you start a nonprofit. We're really educating them about all the opportunities. We want to make sure they know all their options before they get themselves into one lane. Because right. the first assumption is always, I'll just start a nonprofit organization. Well, guess what? The United States has 2 million plus nonprofit organizations. <laughs> we can't keep creating new nonprofit organizations. We're just not going to ever solve some core problems. And so mm. we, me personally, if an athlete does come to me and say, hey, I'd love this conversation you were having um, around impact. Can you, you know, talk through this idea I'm having? there's, there's a few things you can do one, like, what is the thing you really want to change just to yeah. start a nonprofit to say, I want to help kids is not specific enough. If that makes sense. Like what specifically are you trying to improve? Is it education? Is it literacy? Is it food insecurity? Is it, you know, environmental sustainability, like find that one thing and, and focus on that because you can't solve every problem. And you it's like you mentioned Dave, with your brand, your brand can't have 17 things attached to it. If it's going to help you publicly um, and you want people to follow you, you need to be focused on one thing, you know, one thing. And then once you get real good at that, like if you look at a LeBron James or something, then you can add more in. Like he does a lot of things, but he focused on one thing, which was his hometown, getting Boys and Girls Club yep. supported, all of those kinds of things he did that was his thing. Now he's doing schools. He's got his own media companies. He's doing more than a vote, like all these different things. But it was once he already, you know, had this done, it was moving, it was moving without him. And I think that's the, that's the big thing. A lot of athletes don't realize is a nonprofit is a business. Yep. So starting a nonprofit comes with just like starting an LLC, you got to file taxes and you got to have an employee that's going to run the nonprofit and they have to make sure that they're getting paid a certain amount. And the public donations are going here. So it's a lot more complicated than it sounds. Um, but the big thing I always say is like, find that cause and then find an organization that you feel is doing a really <sighs> good job and have a conversation with them about how you guys could align forces versus creating something new. Um, so that's really the big thing. And then a lot of times it doesn't even have to be a tangible thing. It could just be 
being an advocate, speaking out, sharing your story, you know, raising awareness for an organization. I don't think there's any nonprofit in the country that wouldn't appreciate uh, an athlete at the college or the professional level sharing a really great campaign or cause that they're doing to bring it to their network. So there's a lot there. I think that the big thing we just try to teach folks is like, it doesn't have to happen overnight. This should take time. This is not something you just like wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to fight for food and, you know, fight against food insecurity now. Do your research, know what you're getting yourself into, like talk to folks in that space, just like you would going to work for a specific company. Like it's, it's that kind of a process. So it's, it's well and good that you want to do good, but make sure you're doing it the right way. It's really our goal. Awesome. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a particular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. That is fantastic. Uh, this is Danny again, and I know that uh, Dave and I have thousands of questions we need to ask. Uh, one from Dave, his personal uh, perspective from being a collegiate athlete. Uh, and for me, I, I mean, I coach high school football for five years, collegiate uh, for one year. And I would tell you that the each of the athletes, are, they're all unique. They all have their own story, as you stated before. They all have something to share, and people can learn from that. When we think about your leadership, for example, Danielle, uh, and I think about how you are able to help lead and drive this professionalism uh, with these athletes and help them to find out what their passion is, go after their passion. And we think about all this. But one thing that we don't talk much about, and we see this in the business world a lot, right? If you look at executive C-suite individuals, specifically the women athletes that you, that you talk about that are C-level executives or CEOs of companies, they're, they're pretty much all alphas, Right. And, and, and uh, if, you, if the audience doesn't know what that term is, you know, reach out to Dave and I, we can explain that to you, but they're pretty much all alphas, right? They're all leaders. They're all used to being leaders. Even the military, they're all born. They're not born leaders all the time. Some become leaders. They do default, maybe because they're good at what they do or they're best at what they do. But how do you sit down and help all these alphas who are, who are leaders, who you know, they, 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 they are being used to being the leader on their team. And now they're coming before you and they're saying, oh my goodness, um, 
I'm still the leader. I'm still the alpha, but I need help. I need direction. How do you deal with all of those egos in the room at the same time? Yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. I think the idea that you should have it all figured out and because you're really great at one thing, it should automatically translate into another world. And so it really is about focusing on the, the, the journey that you've already taken. Um, I bring it back to a lot, like when you first stepped on the football field or the baseball, you know, diamond or, you know, the ice rink, whatever it is, you, you weren't great. You were probably fine. Maybe you were born with some natural talent, but you had to work really, really hard to get where you are right now. And unfortunately, it doesn't always translate to new industries. That hard work needs to be a constant part of your day. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you feel like you've done so much hard work and you're just ready for the hard part to be done. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not to say you have to start from square one, but you're, you're not starting from the same spot. You got to step back to square 10 or square five, right? You got to step back and really re, restart that journey to success it's not easy. And, and to be honest, I would say the majority of folks we've spoken to are very open to getting help and support, but that's really where we see we're not serving a lot of people probably because they don't want to ask for help or they aren't comfortable not being in control of the process. And I think, or the other thing, right? They just don't want to think about their next chapter. They want to live in the moment. They want to be invincible and play forever. And those are the folks that we can't really reach because they're not ready to have the conversation. And that's just reality. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, you have to think about this and you should think about this, but every person is an individual and he or she has to make their own decisions. And it's, it's completely fine. Whatever path you take, our goal at the end of the day is to really change the narrative around this from an industry perspective that it shouldn't be 24 seven your sport. Maybe it should be, you know, 24 five and then two days you get to enjoy things you like, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a balance and I hate using the word balance because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a myth, there's no such thing, but it's about prioritizing what's important to you. And I think unfortunately the sports industry as a whole is set up to fail athletes because at a young age, they're told this is what you're the best at in the world. Focus only on this. It'll get you so far. And then at 22 or 23, they're told, okay, thanks so much. Now go figure out the rest of your life and we'll see you next time. And it's a really hard transition. And so we are, we are seeing big shifts at the college level. You mentioned Danny NIL. Now athletes can get paid in college. But also just in the mindset of athletes, but the people that are working with athletes, we're seeing a lot more fresh-minded folks in leadership roles at teams, at you know, at programs, at schools, and folks are putting budgets together to actually focus on building out people, not athletes. And I think that trend is only going to continue, which is amazing. I think it's that shift of understanding that it's not it. it it's unfortunately inevitable. And so the longer you wait, the harder you're making it for yourself. But for, for me, yeah, it's, there's, there's folks we just don't work with, or we can't, we can't move forward with because they're not ready. They're not ready. And, and that's okay. That's Mental. fine. Mental. Yeah. Da Danielle, this is David. I love how you made this point of they've got to be ready. And in so many ways, you've got to be open. And yeah. if you're not open for that, then this is not the place. This is not the program for you, et cetera. 
And but I also want to say you've been very modest as well. I mean, the <laughs> fact that you can work with incredible athletes. My brother was alluding to it. As a coach, he's worked with these literally alphas, guys that think they're going to take over the world. That's the mindset they had to have. And you're working with these athletes. These athletes are used to taking over the world. And yet you have to have such an incredible leadership strength in, uh, uh, in and of itself to lead them. And I love how you're able to, to lean on your experience. You lean on your history. You lean on the people you've supported and worked with. But you also have the confidence to step up to someone who's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, that played uh, lineman and say, look, look, I'm here to support your growth. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And so you, in some ways you're tackling their insecurities and you're helping them to overcome. So I just want to give you kudos for that because uh, I love, I love that you have that confidence because you believe in what you're doing and it's working, Danielle. Oh, well, thank you. I will say <laughs> one of the biggest things I say is I can't want it more than you want it. So yes, if, if exactly. I want it more than you want it, then it's not going to work, unfortunately. And, and we've had that experience where we've, and, and again, it's all, it's all okay. No. Like there's, there's no wrong way to do it. There's no right way to do it. There's plenty of folks out there doing work like this that you might match better with and that's sure. okay we, we know them we love them they're all fabulous people because they care about this so so yeah. for us it's a win-win just to get someone to start thinking this way that's really yeah. the win-win for us that's a good point and, and I tell people all the time as a public speaking coach and this is David by the way for our listening audience that I'm not the coach for everyone I think I'm the best speaking coach out there I don't get a million dollar retainer policy like some of these other speakers in the world but I might be the perfect match for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you got to look at tackle what's next. And for those of us that are listening right now, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and pause. If you're not already subscribed to the Twins Talking to Program, go ahead and subscribe, download this episode, and make sure you follow Danielle at tacklewhatsnext.com. Okay, that's a way to get a hold of her. We're going to leave her links below. But Danielle, I want to ask this, this one question here before I know my twin's going to just jump in and, and all this. But what did you learn most about yourself and working with these athletes. And do you feel that the biggest challenge is working perhaps with these other sports agencies? Do you feel like the biggest challenge for you is is figuring out how to get you in a position to present the best companies to these athletes? What are you learning about yourself and what are the challenges you're you're looking at going forward here in the next Mm. uh, quarter? That's a good question. I've learned so much about myself. Um, definitely being a consultant and entrepreneur in my own right, you know, it's 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 a difficult journey, um, and one that I think is has really taught me a lot about me and and also the importance I think of of setting boundaries that work for me. Um, and I think that's been a big learning curve for me. I think for for so long my identity myself was wrapped up in my, in my job. Um, you know, just whatever I was doing at the time. And I would feel maybe not great if I didn't have a cool job or whatever that is. Mm. And so I've learned a lot about the, the kind of the, the importance of stepping away from work and really giving yourself that space to regroup and have time to, you know, whether it's watch TV or go for a walk or do a fun class that you're really excited about those kinds of things, I think, and I'm still learning new things about myself all the time. You know, I think back to some of the things we've done and it's amazing. I don't know, you know, how, if you had told me three years ago, we'd be doing this, I would have been laughing at you. Um, So it was never a a thing that I had planned. And I think the thing I'm learning about myself is I have so much more to do um, and just not to get overwhelmed by that, but just to be excited about it and to do it at my own pace and not compare myself to others. I think that's a big key. Um, but yeah, in terms of challenges, I mean, I still think the biggest challenge is, is getting the word out that this is a, a, 
you know, an opportunity to learn. We're trying to grow our network. We're, we're small and we're just almost two years old. So we're, we're new, right? We're new kids on the block. But, you know, I think for, for Taco What's Next, the idea is one mind change is a success. And one mind change could just be, oh yeah, I should probably start a LinkedIn page or, oh yeah, I should probably start thinking about what do I want to do when I graduate or when I retire? Um, so for us, the biggest challenge is just continuing to reach folks that aren't thinking about this, athletes that haven't thought about this. Um, we work with a lot of fantastic motivated athletes that want to do this and we love working with them and we will continue to do that. But our goal is to try and reach out to some folks that maybe haven't thought about this yet to start to really make a change. So that will be the big challenge we're facing coming into the next couple of years. Well, I, this is Danny, by the way. I, I think that this is definitely a niche. It's definitely something in the marketplace that needs to happen. There are a lot of great, amazing, talented athletes out there who need this service. So we're going to say anyone in the audience, first of all, support Danielle, support this great, what I call the next great movement of bringing in the next best source of talent there is, possibly is. And if you are in our audience today, and as Dave and I always work with C-suite executives, leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, if you're looking to hire an amazing employee that is self-motivated, that has proven throughout their whole life to go the extra mile to make sure that they can stand out, to be the best they can be, consider possibly hiring one of these athletes that Danielle can connect you with. I work with a lot of business leaders, so does David. And a lot of times they always ask what's next. They always ask themselves like you did, is my identity in my career? Is my identity in my title? Is my identity in the division I might be working in or leading? A lot of times they're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? And one of the great things that we have, I've mentioned to them is that why aren't you a mentor yet? Why aren't you a coach yet? Why are you not consulting? There's a lot of organizations where the people who are small, they're technical, they became a CEO for the first time. They don't know how to run an organization. They need you. There is so much you can offer no matter how old you are. So athletes, if you're trying to figure out what's next, where do I go after sports? Who am I? What am I? Do people know who I am? Well, we know exactly who to send you to. We want to thank Danielle for spending some time with us and for sharing her passion for supporting athletes beyond the playing field. We also appreciate learning about her leadership skills and her leadership background and believe that together, it is a great partnership to make sure that athletes have an opportunity to share their story, have an opportunity to explore their passion and have an opportunity to continue to make an impact in the community today. On behalf of David Brown, my identical twin brother on the Twins Talking Up podcast, we are so grateful to have you on today. Thank you so very much, Danielle. Oh my goodness. Thank you both so much for having me. This is so much fun. What an amazing opportunity. And, and thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for the support. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.